Hey everybody, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Gwinnett Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, we would love it if you would take just a moment to download the Gwinnett Church app where you can have access to all of our recent message content as well as find out about what's going on around here at Gwinnett Church. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. Most importantly, however, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. So when I was uh, when I was growing up, I played. Uh, I tried to I tried all the little sports like when you're like a kid and you're trying to find your place. And uh, and one of the sports that I tried when I was growing up was baseball, and uh, I hated it. And uh, no knock on baseball, people. <laughs> oh my gosh, don't come at my sports, America's game. So like, but um, I, I wasn't anything against baseball. I just was terrible at it. Um, I am. You can't tell sometimes because the stage is really tall, and if you're watching on video, you can't tell because it's on video. But I'm vertically challenged, and so. Um, I'm just not a tall person. And, uh, and so uh, growing up when you're playing baseball and the kids start pitching and you're small, um, your strike zone is very little. And uh, that means that they just hit you with the ball. And so, uh, so I just was, you know, my dad's like, go get them. And I'm like, dad, why? You know, so I just couldn't remember getting pelted with the ball. I wasn't very good at baseball. But my team, the team that I was on in Little League was actually really, really good. And, uh, and so we were in our championship game and uh, we had beaten a lot of teams like badly because the, the, our team was awesome. And, uh, and then uh, we got to the championship though and this other team was also really, really good. And so they were beating us and we're coming towards the end of the game and our team is up to bat and some kids in the dugout, they started putting their hat on funny. And so they like, some kids are like turning their hat on inside out. This is one of my like first years playing baseball. I'm like, what is everybody doing right now? One kid's like wearing it like a mohawk. He's like, let's go, you know, like, and, uh, and I just thought it was silly. And I was like, man, these guys are a bunch of silly gooses. Let's do it, you know? And so I put my hat on funny and, you know, we end up losing the game. But, um, but, but, but I, I had no idea what we were doing. And I was like, dad, did you see my hat? And he was like, oh yeah, that's called a rally cap. And I was like, oh, what? I didn't know that was a thing. I thought my team had just made this up. I was like, man, we are so funny. Um, turns out my dad tells me after the game, he's like, yeah, yeah, like when, when baseball teams are like behind and they're trying to rally and inspire their team for a win and kind of like conjure up a little bit of luck. He's like, you put your hat on funny. It's called a rally cap, right? And I was like, what? Okay, like I had no idea. Nobody explained it to me. And I mentioned that this morning, right? Because in, in our Christian faith, you guys, there are some things that we have that are kind of like rally caps. Uh, and, and not that we're like trying to conjure luck or inspire people to a victory, right? But when I say that we have some rally caps, I mean, we have some things that we do uh, as Christians or that we do in church that we do it, but we don't often explain it. We don't often explain it or we don't often explain it well. And so they can seem strange. They can seem odd. Uh, they can seem outdated. And so for us, you know, we've got some rally caps. And so uh, what we're doing in this series, we've been in a series called Things Christians Do and Why. And the reason why we're in this series is because we wanna talk about some of those things. Some of those things that we do that often don't get an explanation or that maybe you've seen, seen people do or that you've participated in in church, but you never understood the why behind the what. Things like uh, singing, like why do we sing in church? Things like communion, which we talked about last week where we break bread and we drink juice and we do it to remember Jesus, right? We talked about uh, the why behind that. And then today's topic that we're gonna talk about, baptism, right? We're gonna talk about baptism. How did sprinkling someone, splashing someone, dunking them underwater, how did that become a rite of passage 
in our faith. What's the deal with that? Why does pushing someone else's head underwater make them a part of Team Jesus, right? Like, like how did that come to be? That's what we're gonna talk about this morning, right? Baptism. And chances are, um, whether you've been baptized or not, um, you've seen a baptism, or maybe you've been a part of a baptism, a niece or a nephew or a friend or a family member or, or somebody that you know was baptized, or maybe you just saw it in a movie. And so you've seen it, you're familiar. And, and the reality is, is that all Christian um, practices, there's, there's all different ways that they practice um, uh, baptism. Some people, you know, they, they sprinkle, some people splash, some people go the full dunk, right? Um, and, and, and so it's done a bunch of different ways. Uh, some people make a big ceremony of it and it's like a totally separate service. Some people do it in their normal worship services. Some people, it's spontaneous, right? The preacher preaches and he's like, all right, now get down here and get in the pool. And then other times, uh, and then other times, right? Like there's a whole interview process and, and you gotta explain that you actually know what you believe, right? And so while it's done in different ways in different Christian traditions, um, all Christian traditions practice this thing called baptism. And the question that we wanna ask and answer this morning is why? Why do we practice baptism? What's the deal with that? And, and so uh, in order to get our conversation uh, started, let's just understand the word baptism, right? The word baptism in the English is derived from a Greek word, baptizo. Everybody say baptizo. Look at that, you learned Greek, now you're scholars. And so, um, so baptizo, right? It's this word that literally means, right? To, to submerge, to wash, to dip, or to dunk, right? And so it's a Greek word and, um, and it was used in two different ways in ancient literature. You see it used in, in two different ways. The, the first way was in a, a very common way of, of being used and they would talk about like washing their dishes or they would talk about, you know, doing their laundry. And so they would say, you know, and, uh, and after Thanksgiving, Reed made his kids baptizo the dishes, right? You know what I mean? Like, and so that was, that was one uh, common way of using the word. And then there was this other way of using the word and it was meant to refer to a ceremonial washing a ceremonial washing that was kind of a, uh, an initiation, uh, a, a faith milestone, an outward expression of an internal belief, right? And that was when it was used in that context. And we first see it used in the way that you have seen it practiced before where one person baptizes another. We first see this, this word baptizo show up uh, in regards to faith and initiations. We see it show up in the New Testament uh, when this guy named John, steps on the scene. And this guy, John, he steps onto the pages of history and, uh, and he's a preacher and a prophet and he's preaching a message of repentance, which is to change. He's preaching a message of repentance or change in preparation for God's coming kingdom and that God would send a savior. And so he's preaching this message out in the wilderness and he's telling people, hey, repent or change. Change how you're living, change how you're treating each other. He's like, repent because God's kingdom is coming and God is sending a savior. And the best way for you to get ready is to start making some changes now. And so he would preach this message. And then when people would put their belief or their faith, when they put their trust in John's message, when they would say, hey, I'm, I'm with that. Like, I, I want to believe that. I, I, I'm, I'm, I wanna make those changes. I want a fresh start. I wanna turn my life around. I wanna get ready for God's coming kingdom and God's coming savior. I, when, they would, when they would make that decision in their hearts, 
John would invite them to express it outwardly by getting baptized. He would invite them to get baptized, which is why John's name became John the Baptist, right? That wasn't his Christian denomination, right? Like, and so uh, this was actually what he was doing. He was baptizing people. And so what John would do, you guys, is that John would invite people out to the Jordan River. This was a very public setting. Uh, some, Some of you have asked before, why does baptism have to be public? Because that's the point, right? John invites people out to the Jordan River, a very public setting because, uh, because life happened around bodies of water in the ancient days. And so people would be bringing their, their livestock down there to water them and to wash them. They'd be bringing their dishes. They'd be bringing their, uh, their clothing down there. Life was happening around the river. And so John would invite people to come down to the Jordan River when they put their trust in his message. And in order to affirm their faith, in order to express outwardly what they had decided inwardly, and in order to join in and to tell people that they were now associating with his message, he would invite them to get baptized. And so they would step out into the river and they would get dunked in the water. And it was a sign for everyone that this was a clean start, a fresh start, a new beginning. I'm now with John's message. I'm associating with John's message. And so this is where uh, we get this practice of baptism. This is where we get this idea of baptism, right? Uh, I love the way Andy Stanley said this um, years ago when he was talking about baptism and going public. He said, what John taught us is that baptism is a public declaration of a new association. It is a public declaration of a new association. It's our way uh, of going public about a very personal decision that we've made. And so while it's a public declaration of a new association, it's also a personal declaration of a new association, right? It's also not just public, but it's also personal, meaning like you've got to decide it for you. No one else can decide this for you. No one else can decide what you believe. You've got to decide that for yourself. And so John would preach this message of repentance, of change, and he would invite people to make the decision to put their faith in that message and to associate with him. And so they would go out and publicly, they would declare their personal decision to associate with his message. And so this is where baptism, the practice, steps on the scene of history. Now, That leaves us with the question though, how did it become a Christian thing, right? Because John is preaching before Jesus. And so how did baptism then make the jump to become a Christian practice? Well, let me show you because one day while John was preaching and baptizing, this happens in Matthew chapter three. It says, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him and a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love and with him I am well pleased. And so the first reason why this becomes a Christian practice, right, is because Jesus did it, right? Jesus actually got 
baptized, which was weird for John, um, who's baptizing people into his message and saying, repent or change, because um, John was saying, hey, like we've been, you've been wrong in your heart and the way that you've lived and the way that you've treated people and you need to turn things around. And so Jesus coming to get baptized, John's like, what do you need to get baptized for? You haven't done anything wrong. You're perfect. You're the lamb of God. I just told everybody. I was like, yo, yo, the lamb of God. Do you know what I mean? Like, and so he's like, what do you need to be baptized for? And Jesus is going, no, 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 look, I need to do this, right? As a public affirmation and confirmation of your message. And so when Jesus steps into the water and he gets baptized, he is publicly affirming and confirming John's message. He's affirming John's message and saying, yes, God's kingdom is in fact near. And yes, the lamb of God is coming. And then he's confirming the message that John had, when John had pointed him out and said, there's the lamb of God, Jesus is going, yes, I agree with that. I approve this message, right? You've seen enough political ads at this point. I know I'm like, mute, you know, like, but you've seen enough political ads right now, right? That somebody promotes a message. And then at the end, you see the politician come on and they go, I'm blah, 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 and I approve this message, right? That is what Jesus is doing at his baptism. John had been promoting Jesus. He had been advertising Jesus. He's coming, the Lamb of God, who's gonna take away the sins and make us right with God again. Like he's coming and Jesus steps into the water to be baptized as if to say, I'm Jesus Christ and I approve this message. And so he does it and he gets baptized and he models it for us. Not only is he approving the message of John in his baptism, but he's also giving us an example to follow. Jesus is giving us an example that we would follow. You see, uh, Jesus was showing us, hey, when, when you follow me, one of the first things that you're gonna do is you're gonna get baptized and you're gonna declare publicly what you've decided personally. And so Jesus goes first, which is one of the things that I love so much about Jesus. I had a coach growing up in high school and uh, he would always tell us to run, uh, but he never ran and it was very obvious. And uh, and so he'd be blowing the whistle saying, run faster. And I'd be like, run ever, right? Like, you know, <laughs> Jesus is not one of those leaders. Jesus is one of the leaders that leads from the front. And he does not ask you to do something that he's unwilling to do himself. And so Jesus goes first and he says, I'm gonna set for you an example. And so he gets baptized. He gets baptized to affirm and confirm the message of John to say, yes, the kingdom of God is near. Yes, I am the lamb of God. And he sets an example for us to follow. Now, that's the first reason why Christians have adopted this as, as something that we do. The second, because after Jesus actually does this, then he goes on and begins his public ministry. And this is what happens. It says, after this, this is in John chapter three, after this, meaning after Jesus' baptism, Jesus and his disciples, they went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now, John was also baptizing at Anon near Salem because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. And they came to John and they said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side uh, of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going out to him. And so not only did Jesus 
get baptized, but then as Jesus begins his public ministry and he begins to teach and he begins to share about what the kingdom of God is like and he begins to invite people to put their trust in him and to follow him, he says, when you make that personal decision, that internal decision, I want you to express it publicly. And he begins and his disciples begin to baptize people into the faith. And so Jesus models it. Jesus then practices it. And then you guys, then after Jesus' death and resurrection, he gives some final instructions to his followers. And as he's giving the final instructions of what he wants them to go and do, uh, he includes this in his final instructions. This is what he says. This is in Matthew 28. It says, then Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus models baptism because he does it. Jesus practices baptism and he and his disciples baptize people into the faith. And then as Jesus is handing over the mission and the message of his death and resurrection, he tells his disciples, hey, here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to take this good news of my death and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins and restoration uh, with relationship with God. And I want you to take that message and I want you to take it everywhere you can. And I want you to share this with people. And as people put their trust in this message, I want you to teach them how to follow me. And the first thing that I want you to do is I want you to baptize them. I want them to take that personal decision that they made, that private decision that they made. And I want them to go public with it. I want them to express outwardly what they have decided inwardly. And I want them to get baptized. And so you guys, this is why Christians practice baptism. This is why you see it in every Christian denomination, in every kind of Christian church, in every Christian tradition, in one form or another. What you see, whether it was sprinkled or splashed or dunked, what you see all over in Christian practice is because, the reason why we practice baptism is because Jesus did it, Jesus practiced it and Jesus instructed it, right? This is, this is why we baptize. Jesus modeled it for us. He practiced it while he was doing ministry and he instructed it for us to go and do the same as a public declaration of our personal faith. This is why we practice baptism. Now, let me be clear. Baptism does not save you. You don't have to get baptized. Like, it's not like the moment where you're like, pff, pff, now I'm going to heaven, right? Like, that's not, that's not what it is. Baptism is an outward expression, an outward symbol of your internal faith. And it's your internal faith in Jesus that, that that's what makes you a recipient of God's grace and his favor and, and a relationship with God is, is restored through your, by his grace, through your faith in Jesus. And that happens internally. But baptism is the outward expression, the outward symbol of your internal faith, much, very similar to a wedding ring. Your wedding ring is an outward symbol of an internal commitment that you've made with another person. 
you do not need this to be married. Yes? If I took this off, it's not like all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, what happened? I'm so sorry. You know, you don't need the ring to be married and you don't need to be baptized in order to believe in Jesus. But the ring, it is your outward symbol to say, I'm off the market. I've made a decision and I want everyone to know it makes public the very private personal decision that you've already made. And in the same way, baptism does that. It is this outward expression, this outward symbol, this visible symbol of an internal belief that you've put your faith in Jesus. Also, the cool thing about baptism is not only is it your outward expression of your faith, it's not only just you publicly sharing your faith, but also symbolically, it's you showing the story of Jesus. By going under the water, you show his death. And then by coming out of the water, you reveal his resurrection and your partnership with it. That's why we dunk people here because we want people to see this is the story of Jesus. And so this is our story in Jesus. And so that's what baptism is, this outward expression of this internal belief. And the reason why we do it publicly, you guys, first and foremost, the reason why we do it publicly is, is because for the rest of the church, right? It's our chance to celebrate with you. It's our chance to support you. It's also our chance to hold you accountable. So that on the days where, where your life like gets off track or where you doubt or where you dismay or where you fear, or where you get into worry or where you drift, someone can go, I was there that day. I remember your faith is real. It's authentic. It's genuine. Let me encourage you. Let me hold you accountable. Let me support you, pray for you. And so baptism becomes a way that the church is able to celebrate and support one another. It's also the other benefit of baptism and doing it in a public setting is that when you share your faith, it stirs our faith. There's something really, really powerful that happens when, um, when someone shares their faith, it has this ability to remind us those of us that have trusted in Jesus to remind us of our own commitment to Jesus. And for those of us that aren't sure yet, it reveals to us when you see someone else's faith story, it reveals to you what's possible, what you're invited to believe. There's something about sharing faith that stirs faith. And the reason why I get emotional is like every time we celebrate baptism. Every time one of you gets baptized and I get to watch it or be a part of it, y'all, I'm reminded of what God saved me from. I'm reminded of what a mess I was and how far God has brought me. I'm reminded of the love and the grace and the forgiveness that God has for me and, and who I'm becoming in Christ. So there's something so powerful about sharing your faith. And I know it takes courage, but your courage could be contagious. That's the reason why we ask you to, to share your story, whether you're reading it off of a card or you're doing it on a video. I know some of you, the reason why you haven't gotten baptized, I'm not doing that video, right? Can I just get in the water and then you just, you know, dunk me? I don't want to say anything, right? But there's power y'all in sharing your story. There's power in sharing your story and sharing your personal decision and why you've come to the conclusion that Jesus is in fact the savior of the world and the savior of your world. There's power in that. Someone else sees their story in your story and it stirs their faith. 
and it encourages them and it reminds them, maybe it helps them to renew their commitment or it helps them to take a step. This is why we do baptism. Jesus modeled it, he practiced it, and then he instructed it. And he instructed us to do it together like this, that we might love and support and encourage and celebrate each other and stir faith together. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, um, thank you so much. Thank you for your love, for your kindness. Thank you for, your, for sending Jesus to lay his life down, that sins could be forgiven, that we could have right relationship with you. And thank you for raising him to life that we might have new life. And thank you for the gift of baptism, this outward invisible sign, this reminder uh, of the life change that you've brought about. Father, we love you. We trust you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen.